Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to Tech One. Today our guest is Mac from the SaaS Bootstrapper. Hello. Hi, Christian. Thanks for having me. Uh, ha- happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, great to have you. Please uh, tell us a bit about yourself and what is your study. Oh, let's see. Well, I'm currently living in Valencia, Spain uh, with my wife and two boys. Uh, we're Wonderful. on digital nomad visa. We're from the US. Uh, I've spent a lot of time building SaaS apps and software and sort of entrepreneurship and a lot of failures and a couple successes and just uh, kind of still keeping at it and figuring out what's next and uh, kind of doing a lot of traveling the world at the moment too. So having a good time. (laughs) That's amazing. I think it's a a dream for a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, But I'm curious to know, what are you doing right now exactly? Uh, You are helping uh, bootstrappers, right? Yeah, so I sold my last SaaS a couple, almost almost three years ago now, um, and shortly after that, we decided to leave the U.S. And so there's been a lot of sort of family time and kind of re envisioning what I want to do. And so um, I found that the story of my last SaaS was resonating with people, and um, so I decided to create a newsletter called the SaaS Bootstrapper, where I okay just kind of share everything that I've learned and everything that I'm continuing to learn and what I'm doing now. And so uh, it's been a process of kind of re-envisioning what I want to do because I do love SaaS, but I've also, I love a lot of things. I love, I'm finding that I really love writing and sharing and meeting people. Um, And so, you know, so right now I have the SaaS bootstrapper, which again is a newsletter, but I'm trying to kind of re-envision what it could become more of a community, more inclusive. Sometimes I feel like I'm just writing to yeah. people. <laughs> um, and I want to kind of include people more. I also am working on a SaaS app called Aware that it's it's actually been out a while. It's profitable. I have a co-founder with that. That is a LinkedIn engagement tool. So you nice. can think of it as like custom LinkedIn feeds of who you want to engage with. Um, and then I have two more SaaS apps that I'm working on with separate people um, that where I'm kind of more of the face of it more sort of the marketing side and they are the developers and so those i will be announcing those soon we're in very early stages for both but they're really around growth um or like pre-launch growth for really anyone with a product but focused on SaaS, um and then early stage SaaS. so in the sort of analytics and metrics realm okay but kind of- tra- traditionally uh you're a developer Yes. Yeah. So my background is in development. I worked at Adobe for a long time, actually. Uh, and that's really where I taught myself to code. Uh, and, and then how, how did you learn to market and sale? How, how to market? Uh, how did you learn to do sales and marketing? Uh, well, for the first very many apps that I built, I didn't do any sales and marketing, which is a common thing for yeah. developers. Um, the thing that changed with my most successful SaaS app, which was called Castanet that I sold a couple years ago, the thing that was different about that was instead of um, building uh, just something that I kind of came up with or scratched my own itch, which works for a lot of people, but for me, it just didn't um, at the time. So I went out and talked to a lot of different people uh, really with no end goal in mind other than to hit on a, a a market a common pain point among common people. And so that 
whole idea came from just talking to a lot of people and just like gradually being like, okay, sales teams are cool because they have money that they're not afraid to spend. Okay, what's their real problem? Oh, lead generation is a super valuable problem. Okay, what within that? So it was just a lot of conversations going in to hone in on the problem. And so by the time that I went, by the time I figured out what that was going to be and the time I figured out what, uh, or that I was ready to launch anything, I had a huge list of people that I had talked to already that knew me, knew generally what I was working on. Um, And so that was the first good, I don't have an exact number, but like dozens of customers certainly came from a combination of those people that I had had conversations with early on and the people that they referred. Those people, um, uh, probably a combination of liking the product, but also having a personal relationship with me. It helps people with trust and want to talk about it more. So I went kind of recently and looked at the first customers that came in. And like I said, it was mostly people that I had been talking to or people that were referred nice uh through those um and so that you know you're asking about sales and marketing i mean really uh, the very beginning of any app that i built that went anywhere at all uh it was sort of word of mouth and relationship and like really talking to people and trying to understand the problem more than going out and starting to run ads or whatever which you know people have different ways there's a million ways (laughs) to skin a cat but though that's uh seems to be the pattern for me and like what works is making I sure think that's that, the most important part yeah. in finding yeah. the problem so yeah. yeah and so from there i mean i think it's um you know once you have that it, it starts to become kind of obvious who the people are who you're targeting and what the problem is and you know the messaging and so the rest of it comes much more naturally than if you're just starting from scratch like how do i you know. <laughs> absolutely and and the two other projects the two other stuff that you mentioned uh, with co- with co-founders, you found them them through the community. Yes, both of them actually. So I've been more active on Twitter in the or X uh, in the past uh, yes. maybe year or okay. less. Uh, I was never very active on social media previously, um, and you know I don't have a lot of friends that are doing what I do, and so I've had different ways in the past of of how to kind of immerse myself in more people doing that. And so one of the things I was trying not that long ago was being on X and uh, I've had a good time on there and found some, some good people, but yeah. So every once in a while I get a message, either reply to my newsletter or on X or somewhere. And I feel like I can just get a, like just with the first message of somebody that writes something thoughtful and the way they type speak uh, the way they, articulate themselves and just i can i feel like i can sense their energy and the, mm-hmm. and so every once in a while I'll just be like let's get on a call like like before <laughs> i even like respond to what they're asking or saying i say let's get on a call and we'll hop on a call and just meet and so both of these projects came from basically something like that where i'm just like ah oh, i like this person's energy they just seem cool they seem excited they seem open nice. to whatever and so we just get on the call and like hey what do you I, you know be open to Doing but, a side uh, they came to you for help um, because they saw you as a thought leader or you just wanted to I think, see what you do and yeah i th- i'm trying to remember the second one specifically how it came up but the first one was uh, more just like inspired i think by the newsletter by my story nice. and just saying you know nice. thanks and and telling me what they were doing in their history and kind of <laughs> what their struggle was but it was like 
um, yeah, it was kind of just like a, a, Hey, I like what you're doing. Your stories are inspiring. That's amazing. And yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, how did you build up the newsletter? How did you find the first uh, members? Let's say. Yeah. Good question. Uh, I think the first few came from X, um, mentioning it on there. Uh, and I think early on, I did a few like direct messages to people to let them know about it. Um, but then posting on indie hackers, um, with like a link, you know, like a valuable post where at the end I say, you know, I also write more similar stuff in the SAS bootstrapper mm -hmm. that has been helpful. Um, Reddit has, uh, can be hit or miss, but I've had, um, some posts that resonated pretty well there that also, you know, at the end would link to the, to the newsletter in different ways. And so, um, now I'm at about a couple thousand people. And so it's, it's, I'm kind of starting to get into some different looking into some different <laughs> opportunities, but really just like taking my newsletter posts and posting them in other places help has helped. Yeah. Uh, and then some word of mouth and some sharing. And now I've had a couple of viral posts on X since, and every whenever that happens, like the, the number of uh, subscribers certainly jumps. Do, do you see better engagement on X or the LinkedIn? I see better. Well, it's interesting. I see a lot of other people having good engagement on LinkedIn. Because I have LinkedIn tools, so I'm like I'm pretty tuned into it. I personally enjoy X more, so um, I personally get better engagement on on X. Um, you know, I think it depends. You know, I think the yep. creator space. There are a lot more creators and people talking about the things that I talk about on X. I think LinkedIn, you know, dip, uh, it, I've had a harder time finding sort of my space on, on LinkedIn. And again, I think it depends what you do. I see a lot of people having, saying the opposite or saying that there's a lot of uh, sort of a missed opportunity to be a creator on LinkedIn. So I'm there, um, but I'm not, it's sort of secondary for me now. Um, and I am, I do have a LinkedIn tool now, but my co-founder is more, he's like, all in on LinkedIn. And so that's kind of where that comes from. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, and I saw you mentioned on LinkedIn, talking about that, that you grew your first SaaS from zero to 61K MRR in 2.5 years. So can you please tell us the story? Sure, yeah. Well, I, I sort of did in, in how um, I got to a point where I, I kind of wasn't having success with just building whatever I thought of and so i went out and i started talking to a lot of people okay. and that's really where that came from I, it was like a number of months of going out and having maybe five meetings or co coffee at a time i would reach out to people that i that i knew to start um and take them for coffee and then ask for intros of other you know and it was kind of a process like i said of honing on sales teams and i had no real opinion at the beginning i was just like i just want to see if i can get other people to tell me what their problem is and, and so that was it. And so then, I mean, eventually I got to the point where I felt like um, I had something that I should build out and I spent four weeks on it. And I think it was like four weeks to the day where I launched it and I was swiping cards and it was a good price point. It, I think it started at $99. I mean, I probably gave some discounts then, but like that, I really learned that a price point like that, I mean, ideally 99 or 49 can be okay, but like, it's really nice because yeah. you can see 
um, progress much faster than if you're doing something. This is obvious, I know, but like a $9 a month thing, but especially as a single, you can start to see things tick up pretty quickly. So, so yeah, I, I grew it for, uh, eight months or so. And really just, you, it was a direct, like a, a LinkedIn tool to create campaigns where you can automatically like send messages, connection requests and messages to people. Uh, and there's a bunch of these now. When I started in 2018, there weren't very many at all. Yes, um, I know. So really, I, I once after like a whole bunch of conversations and knowing my market, knowing the messaging, I was able to run the campaigns with the tool to grow it. And that's how a lot of the growth came. Eventually, about mm, I was at like 8K or 9K, I, uh, maybe six months in or something. Uh, I had a customer ask me if he, I would be up for white labeling it so he could resell it. Okay. And so for anyone who doesn't know what a white label is in short, it really, it's like someone else's brand over the same tool so they can promote it and resell it and take a cut of what they sell. And so initially I just thought, no, I don't have the capacity for that. I'm kind of maxed out. And then over time, I, I a few weeks later, I realized, you know, I'm like a lot of my time of selling was demos. I would frame them as like, kind of show you what I'm working on. I'm not a hard sales guy. So I would say, kind of show you what I'm working on. Mm. And but it, for me, it was ultimately like, I was hoping for a sale, right? <laughs> uh, or at least to learn. I always learn. Yeah, from yeah. Like, um, of course. But anyway, so I was like, you know, I, I can't scale what I'm doing right now. I can't scale the all these calls. And so then I just thought, well, maybe if this guy really can actually sell it, maybe I can take some of the sales off my plate and focus on the product and focus on support and just that, the all the other parts of them. I mean, there's a million other things that once you start to have a successful SaaS, like you don't even think about that now all of a sudden you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I reconsidered and I thought, well, okay, what would it take for me to do this? So I, I did, I white labeled it and I reached back out to him. And so he started to, to resell it under a separate brand. And then in the end, I had four people doing that. And so that's what enabled me to scale it the way that I did without employees and without hiring people. So it was only you? Yeah, I was the only, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then you, you sold the company? And then, uh, yeah, two and a half years later, I sold it. I, I got to the point of either, you know, <clears throat> you know, it was doing really well. And so the cool thing was like, it took a lot for me to add new features because I, I'm just not in the feature race. I was like, this is providing value to a lot of people. I don't want to add more than I need to. So there would be times when I would be in a great place and didn't have a massive amount I had to do. But the problem was that when things went bad, it could be really bad. Like it was just kind of a sensitive product. Like I don't really view it as like mission critical, but the customers kind of did. And so if things broke for a minute, I would be hearing about it and they yeah. would not be happy. And so it became a lot of pressure. So while I could in theory have be on vacation, it just, it was like, if I get a message, it could be really bad. And they would just like, it kind of overtaking. And so I realized later how much stress that put on me. Yeah. Like, honestly, I can still feel it like <laughs> this much time later. It was like, it was a lot. And so anyway, I got to the point where like, I need to unload some of this stress. And so it was, I either need to hire people or I need to yeah. sell it. And so um, I decided to sell it. And really one of my lessons in that was that like, I had waited, almost waited too long to hire. 
you know, which um, really just because I felt so at capacity that then trying to bring some other, if I were to hire, it would have been a developer, right? And the learning curve there, you know, I don't know, maybe I could have gotten someone great, but I felt like it was like all I, last thing I can really handle is bringing someone else up to speed on all this stuff. And so kind of a lesson to me now, and I'm paying attention to it with my current projects of like, at what point does it make sense to bring on some help so that I am not super maxed out? <laughs> makes a lot of sense but yeah. i'm curious did you sell to any of the, of the companies that were white labors no no no, no. no. okay <laughs> okay okay uh what what do you, what do you see as the top three biggest mistakes that bootstrappers make uh well the biggest one that comes to mind is is building without talking to people building and then you know spending weeks or months building um and then trying to get it out there thinking that, you know, I mean, for anyone who codes and for most people building a product is easy. I mean, you know, uh, and the, the marketing part is, is hard. So, okay. I mean, the first one is certainly, um, just not talking to people early enough. Um, I mean, I guess if I have to say three, they're sort of all sort of tied together. It's like not talking to people early enough, um, building too much too soon. Yeah. Not listening to their customers it's all it's all really i i feel like around um being customer driven or it doesn't have to be i guess but like knowing how you're going to market it you know so there's been some interesting uh actually i put a tweet up yesterday about how how people come up with their ideas and uh, i find it really there's some really interesting approaches right like the people that know that they don't like to market or they're scared of marketing or they don't want to the good ones, they find a way how to like answer that, solve that first. So a couple of the really interesting ones are okay. um, like doing keyword search first. Danny Postma, I always mention him for doing this because that's how he builds all his products, which is just going into a tool like Ahrefs and spending forever, you know, finding underserved keywords that he knows people are searching on that he can rank for. And he has like a little formula sort of of how he knows if he can yes. rank for it. Yes. and then. Uh, tries to think if he can build a product around it and what the value of that might be and if it would be worth it. And so, you know, if you're someone who doesn't like marketing and knows you're not going to want to, he knows that he will get X amount of traffic if he can get on the first page of Google. That's a great one. Building in marketing marketplaces can be good because you get built-in traffic. Uh, and then another interesting one is buying expired domains or buying a existing domain that already has a bunch of backlinks and traffic and building a product on that. And it's sort of another similar to the keyword approach of getting a bunch of uh, marketing. And so kind of going on a tangent to your question, but yes, <laughs> those are by far like the, the biggest, I yeah. would say mistakes that I see. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, and right now you're also coaching bootstrappers. I started doing some, I don't actively promote that, but um, I was getting enough for, you know, People replying to the newsletter or somewhere asking um, if I if I did that, and so I tossed that up option up recently. Okay, so it's only for people that really want to talk to you to to get your advice. Yeah, I mean it's it's not that I like there's like an application process or anything. It's just that it's I'm not like actively saying hey yeah. I'm coaching. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. And f from your insights, do you see bootstrapping as a growing uh, trend? Let's say. Are more and more people starting to bootstrap? 
For sure. I do. And I, there have been a lot of discussions around it. And I started in this space, or at least like, I mean, I was sort of aware of this space in 2006, 2007, early on when it was, you know, Basecamp was young and, um, you know, so it's funny looking back how, how few of us there were and how, how big the, uh, <sighs> Uh, just how it was all about startups and raising money. That's sort of what the talk was, right? And now yes. it's a lot less of that. And I think partially because people realize that they can do it, they don't have to raise money, but also the technology and the tools, like you don't have to even know how to code to build things. And people are realizing, well, even if I don't want to build a product or a software, I can build a course or these things. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, I think there, the creator community is interesting because there are a lot of, people creating things for other creators, which at some point is going to like, <laughs> there's only so much of that we can yeah. take. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, at the same time, I think like it's sometimes I can find myself getting kind of overwhelmed with that and be like, Oh God, the competition is crazy. There's so many people now and I'm getting older. There's all these like young people that are like way smarter than me. <laughs> um, just doing amazing things. But at the same time, like with the technology, with all these new technologies, AI, the amount of opportunities gets way bigger too. So I try to remind myself of that if I ever get kind of scared of like, oh, and all these other, how am I going to compete with all these? Well, it <laughs> happens, you know. Right. With innovation comes, uh, you know, more competition, but also more opportunity. So. Thanks for that. And uh, what would be your best piece of advice for a starting bootstrapper? Let's say somebody that's young, after college, looking to build their first uh, bootstrap company? Uh, to keep your site small, I feel like a lot of people, I mean, this is sort of another maybe mistake of a lot of people, but it's like trying to aim too big and feeling like you have to do this, have some world changing. Um, now I'm coming up with all the, like, the answer to your question before, like mistakes people make. And so, one of them is like being afraid of competition. People are afraid of competition, thinking they need an idea that no one's ever come up with. It's not going to happen. Yes. Competition is a good thing. It means that there's a market for it, all these things. So just like pick something. You know, I know that I still tend to kind of overthink things and like, oh, but there's someone else already doing it. So what? Like, great. Like, and I, I just would say start small, try to get a dollar online, try to get $10. Start a newsletter, try to get someone's email address. Just like anything, build a, a, a Chrome extension or, you know, again, it's just whatever sounds fun, whatever, but like not um, getting, letting yourself get too sucked up into building yeah. anything too big. Um, just try to, you know, everyone's different, you know, like some people want to grow an audience, some people don't, some people want to code, some people don't. So uh, it all comes back to just like coming up with something and starting small and trying to get a dollar, not trying to overthink it, not trying to uh because we, we learn from all of it you know but uh, like even with the newsletter i mean it, it seems you know after having sold a product that was 99 dollars a seat to just trying to capture an email it seems like it would be so easy in in comparison i mean i guess it is but it's also it's like a different it's still hard yes right? like, yeah um i can so imagine <laughs> any of these things to like just get used to getting out in front of people getting your product in front of people and like getting out into the world and away from your little coding box 
Yeah. Great piece yeah. of advice. Thank you. I have one last question that I ask everybody yeah. on the podcast. So, what's your favorite software that you use and you'd recommend to other people? Your favorite SaaS? My favorite SaaS? Well, what, the one thing I use every day now that I'm loving is Audio Pen for, um, I guess it's, it's a SaaS. I mean, I pay annually for it. So, uh, um, for walking around in audio to okay. you know, doing audio translation. It's and it it I use it for all getting my ideas out, but also for like getting big drafts of content out. So I can just it's I'm not the best typer, so it's much faster for me to do it that way. Um, so I've been really enjoying that. Okay, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Is there anything else that you want to tell us today on the podcast? Uh, just keep going. I, I mean, the other sort of big thing I'm going to toss in one more because you know the. Oh, I think a lot of people expect results really early and really soon. And they, they see it's easy to focus, especially if you're on social media or, you know, seeing the success of others and things and wonder what's wrong with you and all this. And the reality is most of us that have had any success had a whole bunch of failures before. I actually have a post about this somewhere of just like all these names. If you're active on X, like, you know, all these names, all these people had a ton of failures before the success so you know just trying not to get discouraged that it's not happening as fast as you want and just hang in there and try to have fun with it keep going thank you so much mac you did fantastic and i'm really grateful thank you yeah thank you <laughs>